All right. Hey, folks. So this is part two of the March Q&A. I'm tired. <clears throat> I've been taking a leaf out of Jeffrey Veritas Schofield's book and walking to and fro from the gym. And I thought that's a good idea leading up to the summer, increase the steps, get out there, try and get a tan. The only problem is that has approximately tripled the number of steps that I would normally do in a day because the gym is an hour away. So I walk an hour back multiple times a week. So I'm exhausted now. So screw you, Jeffrey. What have you done to me? I'm tired, right? <laughs> anyway, we'll go on with the questions. And the first question is from Barbell Bryce. Barbell Bryce is one of the OGs of the channel. Good guy. He asks, what are the best tips for bodybuilding in a home gym with no machines? Okay. <clears throat> so I feel this is very relevant and I feel I have a <laughs> Almost a sense of duty to answer this question for Bryce, because based on a discussion I had with him, he came to the realization that he actually didn't really love strength training. He loved bodybuilding. And that was his main thing he was interested in was just physique. He wasn't that interested in strength. He had been almost blackpilled, I guess is the term, into wanting to be strong. So he would be built, well built. But as we have discussed many times in this channel, the quickest route to a goal is to train for that goal. Okay. If you're interested in looking like a bodybuilder, then train like a bodybuilder. I'm glad that the days of people thinking they can powerlift or crossfit their way to a good physique is starting to move away. I'm not saying you, you can't do a little bit, but train for your goal. So with that in mind, we do have a bit of a problem because in a home gym, when you have some basics like barbells, power racks, all that kind of stuff, you're naturally drawn more towards strength routines because you figure, you know what, that's all I can do. So why not? But actually with a bit of thought, with a bit of careful thinking, we can do a bodybuilding routine at home too. So I feel like we need to take a step back and maybe have a look at what we're trying to accomplish when it comes to training. So let's talk big brain for a second. Okay. As, as Paris Butler would say, giga brain, let's talk giga brain for a second. Let's talk top down concepts. All right. Now, Every time you train, there are different areas in the body which get affected. So your muscles, obviously, as well as that, your tendons and your ligaments. Okay. Now, as well as that, your nervous system, as, well as that to a certain extent, also your bones, but they don't really count because nothing you're going to do in the gym short of breaking a bone is going to affect your bones that much. But those are the areas which you need to account for. Okay. So if we go through them one by one, we get an idea of what we can do to ensure that our training is directed in the right way. So ideally, what we want to do is we want to create the majority of the stress on the muscles with minimal stress elsewhere. So in an ideal world, the best exercise ever, imagine this imaginary awesome exercise would be just all on your muscles and absolutely no stress to the ligaments, tendons, nervous system, or bones at all. Now, obviously that exercise doesn't exist. Okay. Not even a cable fly or a cable crossover really satisfies that criteria because how hard do they train the muscles? So if you have a routine, which is all isolations, then it would fall short because the stress on the muscle just wouldn't be as good as if you included some heavier loading exercises. And that is actually one of the downfalls of the biomechanics crew. There are lots of downfalls of the biomechanics crew, and I can make a whole video on that if you'd like me to at a separate point. But for now, let's talk about bodybuilding. So <clears throat> what we want to do is we want to try and bias as much of our stress 
towards the muscle as possible and minimizes stress on other areas like the tendons, ligaments, nervous system. And I guess where this has been explained in the past has been in terms like SFR. So if you've heard of that, great. If you've not heard of that, don't worry about it. It's not important for this discussion. That is basically what I'm describing, okay? So we are describing how to train to put stress, the majority of the stress on the muscle, minimal stress on joints, tendons, and nervous system. So we'll cover the nervous system first because that's the easiest one, okay? Now, in terms of the nervous system, what tends to happen is if you repeatedly do a lift over and over again, then it tends to stress the same movement patterns, which tends to put a stress on the nervous system. So we know that if we just do squats repeatedly over and over in a given week, eventually that's going to translate into some problems, okay? <laughs> to say the least. I've done it and it can be problematic. I think there was, a, there was an article I read once which looked at the, I think it was the adrenal cortex of high level weightlifters or something like that. And it just showed they had massively overdeveloped adrenals because they were known for just maxing on the same lift over and over again. So that had a robust adaptation to their nervous system. Now, most of us, and we're not part of the Bulgarian weightlifting team, our living isn't contingent on us getting to the Olympics. Most of us are hobbyists. And at the most, we, uh, we put together some good training. We do what we can. Most For most of us, training isn't a life or death matter like it is for them. So that's not something we can rely on. And it's something we need to minimize. So when it comes to exercise selection, to reduce stress on the nervous system, we want to try and mix things up as much as possible. Okay. To that end, you don't want the entirety of your quad volume, for example, to come from squats. Sounds obvious, but there you go. So we want to mix things up a little bit. That would change the stress on the nervous system, rotate it a little bit. Okay, so you're not running those same movement patterns over and over again, which is going to cause overuse. So that's one way of doing things. Another way is also to change rep ranges. Okay, so have a range of repetitions. You don't just want to stick to one. And on that note, also perhaps not delving into the lower rep ranges. This is one of the particular problems with adopting a powerlifting focus or a even worse, a power building focus, that is. <laughs> and because you do delve into these lower repetitions, which are very stressful on the body, and they, they don't offer a great deal in terms of our primary goal, which is bodybuilding, but they do take a lot of recovery. So it ends up, the phrase is, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, okay? It ends up taking a lot and not giving very little. It's that guy at the party who arrives with nothing. He's there, he's having fun, but he's not bought a drink. He's not even bought a cookie. He's just there stealing everyone else's food. That's your one rep maxes. That's your power builder. That's your power builder. Power builders out there. Why are you turning up to parties without anything? What's wrong with you? Have some social grace, you power builders. You're not invited to any of my parties. That's for damn sure. First thing is rotate exercises. Second thing is rotate rep ranges and avoid going too low on the rep ranges. So to do that, you have to be a little bit creative, particularly when it comes to rotating exercises. You've got squats. You don't really have the advantage of doing leg presses, but you could do leg extensions. There are also other exercises. People were getting very creative during the, the global events of the previous year. And people were doing things like leg extensions on the floor. It's almost like a natural leg extension is what they call that. You can Google it and, and check it out. So also there are things like split squats. There are things like dumbbell lunges. There are staggered stance squats. 
These are all variations that you can do. There are pause squats. You can even separate out belted versus beltless squats. Conceivably, even if you were just to pick, say, squats with a belt, squats without a belt, split squats, and let's say staggered stance squats. There's four squat variations. And you could do them for, say, sets of five, 10, and 15. So that means you've got four exercises with three rep ranges each. Okay. So that is four times three. You've got 12 different PRs there, potential PRs and modalities to work through over the course of a week. I think my math is right on that. Yeah, that's already quite a lot of flexibility there. And you've got to start looking at things in such a granular way because you don't have the luxury of lots and lots of machines. So you have to be very particular about your variety and then try and mix and match as much as possible. So that's the one thing which is going to try and help your, I guess it's gonna help your nervous system and your tendons and ligaments too. Now, the next sort of topic is what else can you do? When it comes to bodybuilding routines, I think what you need to try and do alongside that variety is you need to try and create some sort of system for trying to figure out what is the maximum amount of barbell work you can handle while doing the amount of volume you need to do. Because what typically happens, Bryce, is people will load up on the barbell exercises, they get really tired, Whew, wow, what a workout. Whew, I've done three sets of squats with 10 minutes rest. <laughs> what a workout, whoa. But it's pitiful for hypertrophy. That's what people like to do and they like to feel tired, but actually the general level of hypertrophy you're going to get for that is pretty poor. So what you've got to try and do is you've got to have at least some sort of volume target in mind. And it's got to be at least about eight sets per body part per week. Now I'm plucking that out of nowhere. So don't be get everyone get all hung up in the comments about the numbers. But my point is don't settle for a really low level of volume because that's all you can manage with barbells. The idea is you're supposed to be mixing up. You could just do five straight sets of squats per week and you could be hammered doing that with another five sets of deadlifts and you'd be hammered taking lots of rest times maybe doing lots of low reps really getting those plus ones all that kind of stuff but that's not really going to be great for growth because you're going to be limiting the overall level of volume and you're just going to be power building right what you want to try and do is at least have some sort of target for hypertrophy say okay i'm going to try and get in a reasonable number of sets because I'm trying to be a bodybuilder here. So I don't just want to get stuck on doing loads and loads of exercises, which might limit my overall volume. Now, if you can turn around to me and go, actually, Faz, I can do 10 sets of squats per week. Great. Go for it. I'm not saying you have to, there's, I'm not saying there's a definite number. Okay. Do this and do no more. What I'm saying is figure out how many squats and variations you can do while still having a decent level of volume. That's the key. So volume you can recover from, that's the Now, that's probably going to come and coincide with a fair bit of isolation work. So dumbbell flies, natural leg extensions, Nordic leg curls, various sort of dumbbell rows, pullovers, arm exercises, extensions, curls, all that kind of stuff. Those are all things which you can do for high repetitions as almost like a prehab type of thing. And it adds to useful volume. But at the same time, it's also going to vary the workload across, okay? And act as sort of a prehab. So that's another thing you can do. Now, probably the last thing I wanna say is try and use some intensity techniques, okay? So try and use things which purposely have you ramping up the volume with less load in less time, condensing the sets. 
this is where sort of my stance on rest periods comes into play. I'm not a massive believer in just the rest as long as you like. So you're ready for your next set. Because again, hopefully you're getting the, uh, the gist of it here. It's not just about the next set. It's about the overall workout, the overall level of volume. You've got to get some volume going. If you want to grow, you've got to get some work in. I would say try and incorporate things like cluster sets. Try and incorporate things like drop sets where your equipment allows. Try and incorporate supersets. You could superset some barbell work with bodyweight work. You could do mechanical drop sets. So perhaps dips into push-ups, for example. You could do antagonistic supersets, barbell curls and skullovers, just repeating over and over again. These are all great techniques. Let's try and brainstorm. Okay, let's try and brainstorm a decent quad week. Okay, so decent quad week. Bryce is pretty strong. I think Bryce is from what I remember. I think he's squatting for reps about three, three and a half plates, I think. If I'm, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be putting you down, Bryce. I don't want to be misrepresenting your strength. But I, I last I saw, I think you were, you were squatting about four plates for a single. I think you're pretty sure you are. So you're reasonably strong. Now, let's say you want to do no more than about two or three sets of squats per week because you're going to do them for sets of 10 to 15. They're going to be pretty all out efforts. And you're also going to rest reasonable time. You're going to rest about three minutes. You're not going to give it 10 minutes and rest and try and be your best for every single set. You're going to do a reasonable amount of volume, two or three sets with about three minutes rest, okay? So you're still working hard for every set, but you're capping your rest period so you get your breath back so you can get your work in. Again, remembering that it's about the total volume, not just about the next set. And if you struggle with that, you can improve your conditioning as well. So we'll do two or three sets of that. We'll also do some split squats because we all have a hint of self-loathing. We want to do split squats and really make sure our day is as awful as it can be. So we'll do about, say, two or three sets of those. And what we'll try and do is we'll try and do this with a good full range of motion. All right. So we are not, we don't need to pause them, but we're not going to use partial ranges of motion. And if you're not strong enough to do split squats with your leg behind you, then just do split squats, split squats on the floor or with your front leg raised. So front leg raised is the easiest version. Both feet on the floor is medium difficulty and rear foot behind you is the most difficult. So use a nice full range of motion, lots and lots of knee flexion and do those, okay? You could do split squats, you could do lunges even, you could even do step ups, either one's fine, whatever, okay, whatever. So we're doing about three sets of those as well. Now, I would also try and include some sort of natural leg extension. Now that could be leg extension on the floor, okay? Again, Google it if you, if you want. So natural leg extension, you could probably load this up. Maybe do some cluster sets on this because it's a type of exercise which lends itself quite well to repeated bouts. So maybe we'll do three cluster sets, so like Maya reps or Maya rep match. And if you're confused as to what those are, just search on my channel for Maya rep match and Maya reps, and there's a whole video on it. So maybe a total of three Maya reps, which will give you a lot of volume. That would be the equivalent of maybe as much as six sets, okay? So we're already, we're starting to ramp up the volume here, okay? Now on another day, we might do some pause squats and we might do them slightly lower reps. And this is an occasion where I would really work hard on trying to keep as disciplined as possible and pausing the squats to use them as a different variation to day one. And I might do them for sets of eight, whereas I might do my regular squats for sets of 10 to 15 because the pause squats, you're under tension for longer. So it's a harder exercise in that respect. So you just have that variety. So we've got pause squats for sets of eight, regular squats for 10 to 15, probably split squats for 15 to 20, 
those natural leg extensions for cluster sets, which are the reps are starting to get quite high, all of a sudden we have quite a large amount of volume there for the quads. Now you might not be able to recover from that much because that's a lot, that's a lot of training. And you're probably gonna need to split those up into two days. Upper lower would work really well in that circumstance. So yeah, there you go. Those are the types of the tips and techniques that you need to employ. Really, it's just, it's not that different from training at a regular commercial gym. It's just that you need to be a bit more creative when it comes to your variation. That's it. When you're in a commercial gym, variation is almost built in because you have all these different exercises and all these different pieces of equipment and machines. But yeah, you just need to be a bit more creative with exercise selection. But hopefully that helped. And yeah, it's a good question. So next up, we'll go with Gregory Bowman. He says, any advice for people who have a lagging bench press? Should I just use a Larson press instead of the usual bench press? No. It's a resounding no to that. Absolutely not. Sorry, Freaky D. <laughs> and the reason is we don't know why you why you've why you have a lagging bench press. We don't know. So first of all, I think we have to establish you do have a lagging bench press because a lot of people have a lower bench press than their squat or deadlift. But generally speaking, most people will have a bench press which is lower in absolute weight than a squat or bench. Like for example, if your squat and bench were the same weight, then something would be majorly wrong. And a lot of people do have that. A lot of people have that because they're lazy on squats and they really like to bench. So what happens is the bench press stalls, the squat kind of meanders about the same amount and they don't know why. But yeah, your squat should be a lot lot higher in absolute numbers than your bench press. So in general, let's assume you do have a genuine lagging bench press. So let's say, for example, you're squatting four plates, you're deadlifting five, but you're benching two. And in that circumstance, you should probably be benching about three. Okay, we need to figure out what's going wrong. Because if we just replace it with a Larson press, well, that's, we're none the wiser because we don't know that was the original problem. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was you were doing too much volume. Maybe you weren't doing enough volume. Maybe you needed to do more frequency. There's all these potential answers. We need to figure out what's actually going on first. So no, I definitely wouldn't recommend just blanket replacing it with a Larson press. It doesn't make any sense. Firstly, make sure that is actually a lagging bench press. A lot of people plateau on the bench press, primarily because that is the one exercise they are most consistent with. I get guys all the time who are who come to me plateaued at about 220 on the bench, and their squats are about 220 <laughs> as well, and their deadlifts are about 260. And it's like, that's not a plateau, bro. If anything, your squats and deadlifts are way behind. And so their bench is just more advanced. So typically what they need is they need an advanced bench routine. So a lot more volume, a lot more variety, a lot more frequency. They need a lot more of that and just a lot more pain in general. And then it's a case of, do we have the patience for that kind of progress? Because advanced at the advanced stage, progress is very slow. So yeah, firstly establish is lagging or it's not just plateaued because you've just paid it more attention. Okay, next up, what would I do? I would figure out what the problem is. I'd have to audit your routine. But in general, what I see is people need more volume the bigger they get. That's in general what I see, okay? Certainly towards the intermediate stage, people need more volume. That's when you need the most volume. Then as you become advanced, it comes back down again because just the sheer amount of stress from the weights you're lifting tend to be harder to recover from and more stimulative. So in general, when you're a beginner, what I tend to see is beginners don't need much to progress. 
When you're an intermediate, you need the most. And that is usually when people reach the intermediate plateau and they just stall because they're, they just don't push it essentially, <laughs> either in intensity or in volume, or they discover some kind of camp of lifting where they do loads of intensity and very little volume and they don't really experiment. Some people need more volume, some people need less. It is what it is. But generally in that mid phase, in the bridge between beginner to intermediate, that's where people really get stuck. And so we need to figure out what's going on. But typically speaking, if your bench is lagging, and let's say you're not in any pain, there's nothing obvious like your elbows are hurting, your chest is hurting, because if that's true, then you might be doing too much. But in general, people just aren't doing enough of either intensity, so not working hard enough, or volume, they're not doing as much benching as they need to, or frequency. Benching responds very well to high frequency. Um, I would also say one final thing is, sometimes people can use too high an intensity, and it's just the same as using too high a volume. If anything, I would say too high intensity is probably the worst thing. Strength isn't built at the 90%, 95% range. Strength is typically built in that 85-ish type of range. Something you can do for a good set of five to eight, that's where strength is predominantly built, like 80 to 85% of your one rep max. I wouldn't want somebody in that 90 to 95% range week in, week out. It's not possible unless you're doing something like conjugate training, but that's a different kettle of fish. So the other, the final thing is people can just train way too heavy. And I had a case of that recently with a client. It turned out he was lifting far too high of a one rep max and he was resting something ridiculous, like 10 to 15 minutes between sets. As a result, his bench pressing sessions were taking two hours. So everything else was taking an hour. I'm thinking, hold on, we're lifting too heavy. You're not making progress lifting too heavy because that isn't accumulating enough volume. So if you're lifting in the 90 95% range for triples and doubles, you're not going to be accumulating enough volume. So again, it's I guess it's a volume thing again, but it's a consequence of people trying to lift too heavy all the time. And that's the same thing if your bro is giving you a lot of spotting and he's doing a lot of reps for you, you're just going to be lifting at too high a percentage. You've got to be lifting in a range which is reasonable that you can use good form, whether you're powerlifting or you're bodybuilding, you good form and you can you you can use a decent amount of volume. This is why I try and stay away from extremes. You want a good amount of volume. You want a good amount of intensity. You don't want to overblow anything. And for bench pressing, usually a decent frequency as well. So yeah, Gregory, I think it's not a simple answer to just say, do more of this. I would need to look at your training and almost triage it to say, hey, what's going wrong with Gregory's, um, with Gregory's training? And I do, have a, I do have a service which is on my website. And it is a routine evaluation. So if you want to check that out, if you're serious about this, go ahead and purchase that. I will look through your routine and I will make some suggestions for improvements and we can go from there. But, um, a lot of people use that service. It's a good one. People like it. I give them an evaluation of the what their current routine is, as well as a five to 10 minute video explanation. Just me talking a little bit like this and talking them through the routine and exactly where some of the pitfalls are and what they could do to improve that. Generally, it's been received very well. So yeah. Give it a check it out. If you've got some money to throw away, then go check it out. All right. So next advice is from Harold Nilsson. Harold says, what's the point in cutting if your body needs a little fat and extra calories in order to keep building muscle and getting stronger? Isn't cutting essentially just slowing down progress so that you can take a peek at your optimal bodybuilding physique? Thanks to the great content. Yeah, pretty much. The point of cutting is for, I guess, 
where my clients normally cut is usually coincides with holidays. So holidays, like I have long-term clients who will typically cut once or twice a year. So most of the time they're gaining. That's the idea. Just keep gaining over and over again for years and years. Split up with some cuts either for holidays or I think, I also think it's not a bad idea to cut at least once a year. I'm of the opinion that I quite like long books. I think a long book is a good idea. Longer books are better. I mentioned, I explained exactly why in part one of the Q&A. The whole short book books mixed with mini mini cuts kind of thing is, um, it's fine, <laughs> but as long as you are creating some gaining momentum, because with a lot of people, it's a case of, I'm going to do a short bulk, but at the same time, something else is going to get in the way. My training is going to be upset. Then this is going to get in the way. And I'm not going to really develop that momentum that I need to do, which is going to lead to bigger and better gains in the end. But yeah. So I think it's a good idea to cut at least once a year. And I think if you are doing the whole like short bulk, mini cut type of thing, which a lot of people recommend, just make sure you are actually creating some gaining momentum. Don't just have five months of gaining, which is interrupted by getting sick or interrupted because the wife's pregnant or interrupted because of this or interrupted because of that. Actually have an actual gaining phase so you can have an actual cutting phase. These things go hand in hand. But uh, Harold, I agree with you. I think the majority of the time should be spent bulking. As I said in the last video, my my, twin, my entire 20s was one big growth phase. And that's how, I'm not saying that's how it should be done, but I think you need to have, if you want to be big and actually see at least anything close to the top end range of, of your potential, you've got to, you've got to put the time in effective bulking. And as I said last week, for a lot of people that involves getting a little bit of fat, just the way it is. It sounds great doing the whole lean gaining thing. Very few people can get away with it though. In my experience, most people have a much better time gaining 40, 50 pounds at a time and then cutting down. And that's not something that you do over five months. And if it is, well, you've got bigger problems. So long bulks, and getting in shape, I think maybe once a year is a good idea for health reasons, also to look at what you've built. If you look at a guy, look at guys who do this very well, okay? Guys who are currently doing this very well, okay? Because what I tend to find is the guys who are currently doing it, they generally have the best idea of this. Guys who've kind of been there and done that, they tend to look at things with a bit more, they tend to look at main gaining and slow gaining with sort of a rose tinted glasses. But you look at guys like Alpha Destiny, every single year, he's bulking up, he's cutting down and the guy just gets bigger and bigger. Jeffrey Verity Schofield, he's in it right now. He's bulking, cutting, he's getting bigger and bigger. His, on his latest cut, he just looks ridiculous. It's mind blowing. Paris Butler, another great example. I think he's, oh, I know he just recently completed a cut and he's been bulking again, I think. The, let me know if I'm wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure. But I know in the time that I've known him, he has been bulking and cutting and he's had some big books and big cuts. Great, fantastic. If you look at him, he continues to grow. So the guys who are currently doing it, that is how they do it. Very few of them are having these short bulks and short mini cuts all the time. It tends to be relatively decent bulks where they're getting quite a lot of weight and then a good cut where they're stripping it all off. That's, I would say, the best way to do it. Maybe I'm wrong, but to tell me, if you are of the type that has done a quick, short 12-pound bulk followed by a cut, and you've been doing that for a number of years, 
Tell me how much muscle you gained. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Where, where's the proof, I guess, is what I would say. It sounds great on paper. You do all these little short bulks and you reach genetic potential within three years. Great. I got this lovely formula written out, but is it reality though? I don't know. It's not how the majority of bigger guys in the industry actually did it. But anyway, Harold, I agree with you. I think that's a great point. Good thinking. Ian Moore, do you have any advice for 40 lifters that are just starting? Yeah, I do. Firstly, bodybuild. Don't. Don't be a power builder. Don't be a strength lifter. Don't be a power lifter. Don't be a strong man, be a bodybuilder. Okay. Bodybuilding will give you the best bang for your buck with the most training for your muscles, with less stress on the joints, nervous system, tendons, all that kind of stuff. So be a bodybuilder. Okay. Do your higher repetitions, do your cardio, stay active, watch your diet. So you have to have a very PG version of bodybuilding. So I would say have a high amount of exercise variation to reduce the overall stress on your body. Do a high amount of volume. Now, when I say volume, it's going to depend on your overall week. So it could be a lot of cardio and a lot of training, or it could be maybe if you're not a big cardio guy, a small amount of cardio, maybe just steps. Try and do at least 10,000 steps a day and then just a moderate weightlifting routine. But the point is you've got to stay active. Now your training can be used to stay active, you can do a high volume routine. That's fine, nothing wrong with that. If you set it up correctly, you can do a high volume routine, you can train every day if you want to, doesn't matter. Train every day if you want to, but do something every day, stay active. So your training can be used for that if you do it correctly. But if you're going to do power building, power lifting, squats, deadlifts multiple times a week, you're gonna get hurt. You have to adopt a very bodybuilder first mindset. Try not to get too caught up with these influencers who tell you just to work hard, okay? It's also important to work long, yeah? It's also important to do a lot of work in the gym, not just hard work, do a lot of work. And yeah, make sure you're staying on top of your cardio, make sure you are staying on top of your diet. Now, if that involves tracking calories for you and that's what you need to do to uh, ensure your body weight stays a normal body weight, then do that. You should be at a normal BMI. And I don't wanna get into conversations about whether BMI is an accurate method for checking your health. It's a pretty good average. Even if you're muscular, it's a pretty good average. So yeah, try and stay a healthy BMI, try and be active, do something every day. And, but you also do what's sustainable. Years ago, my doctor said I should do more cycling. He says, you lift lots of weights, but you should do more cycling. I was like, okay. And I tried it and I got a back injury. So <laughs> There's no point. My my body is not used to all that kind of stuff. I think it's one of those where pick something that you enjoy. I've been doing I've been doing less running recently as well because I keep getting my calf injured. So I've been walking a lot instead. So I think you've got to find something you can do. And if you're at the point where all you can do is lift, then lift a lot. But just make sure you're lifting safe. Do your high repetitions. Do your cable exercises. Your machine exercises do your isolation exercises. Have a wide variety of exercises you do across the week. Don't get stuck in the powerlifting or minimalistic mindset. Okay, cool. But it's a great hobby. Keaton says, I'm running a full body heavy light medium system and I work as a welder. Okay, any good tips for someone working a blue collar job? I found my job getting the way at first, so I put the less taxing days first in the week and save the heavy day for my day off. Progressing has been a challenge. Yeah, eventually, Keaton, you adapt to everything. Yes, your job is challenging, but I imagine your job is a consistent level of challenging. It's not just going to be brutal forever. There's probably old guys who you work with who just do the work while they're whistling a tune and with a smile on their face. So eventually you'll get used to it. 
just like you will with your overall schedule. You'll get used to things. And I find, I, I even at my age, Keaton, I get used to things pretty quickly. I was joking earlier about being tired with the walking, but within a week, I'll be used to it. It's just one of those things. You've just got to power through. So if this has been going on for a while, then I've, I'm curious as to what's going on with you then, because it's not normal to do a training routine and a job and just be consistently tired because that shows no adaptation at all, which is unusual. Generally, your level of fatigue should go down. Now, I say if you should still start with something a bit more moderate. If you're really struggling, then start with something a bit more moderate. I do think if you have a consistent day off per week, you should do your heavy day then. Years ago, when I was learning about the heavy light medium system, I would do my heavy day on Sunday because I didn't work on Sundays. And that meant I could train Sunday morning and for the rest of the day, just rest, relax, chill. And I probably ate a lot on Saturday night. So I had those calories for Sunday morning too. So that fitted my schedule. And you could do something like that as well. Make sure you're well fed and then just rest and relax and try and do your light days and your medium days during the course of the week where you're a bit busier. But uh, you should adapt. You should adapt. I'd be very surprised if this just is just constant fatigue for weeks and weeks. That wouldn't really make much sense. And maybe you're attempting to do too much training if that's the case. Or maybe you're new to the job, but at some point you're going to have to adapt because that's what the body does. Or maybe diet's a problem. I don't know, but it's just a bit unusual that you, it, I would be surprised if you've been doing this for months and everything's been exactly the same. At some point you're going to adapt. Okay. NM Nate says, if you're progressing, if your programming sets across, what's a good estimate for a weight based on rep max to get you started? Nate, these are the type of questions that I don't find to be that useful for people. So I'm going to answer them based on what you need to know. And that is any answer I give you is going to be complete nonsense because it's individual to you. And you say 10 rep max. Yeah, 10 rep max. So if you know you're 10 rep max, sure. But all you do in these circumstances, Nate, is you just pick a weight, which you can comfortably do for three by eight, and then you progress. And eventually you'll hit the top end of that. So let's say, for example, you're using 100 kilos in the bench for three by eight, okay? And it's really easy. Great. Next week, add five kilos on. Then it'll be harder. And you're starting to get to the point where you're close to failing. At some point, it's going to start to feel harder. So then you might add a little bit less as long as you get your reps. And eventually you'll get to the point where you're failing reps. So then you slow it down. Nate, I don't think it's a good idea to use estimates because your three by eight is going to be very different to mine. So it's going to be very different to somebody else's. No, just use, there's literally nothing I could say to you here, which is going to, there's no guidance I can give you here, which is going to be useful. So follow, just be sensible about it, Nate, go to the gym and try it out yourself. Yeah. That's the best advice I can give. Nobody who could answer this question for you. You need to go into the gym and figure this out while you're training. This level of instruction is, it sounds great. Like it, people love to give it as well. People say, yes, you've got to use 65%, but no, go to the gym, put some weight on the bar see what feels good for a set of eight, work up to an easy set of eight that you probably could replicate two more times. And there's your three by eight, there's your starting point. And over the course of the next few weeks, add weight either fast or slow to get you to the point where you're good. That's it, easy. You don't need anything more complicated. That was the last question. So I'll call it there. Join me for part three in the next one. Peace.